Right, if, you, if you've got your Bibles, could you please open in Matthew 26, and we're going to read a few verses from verse 26 to 30. Matthew 26, uh, verse 26 to 30. While there, was, they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Then they had, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And let's pray. Father God, we need your help and your guidance. We need your spirit to speak to us, to touch our hearts, to transform us and make us in the image of Jesus our Lord. And we pray that you will do that tonight in, in our hearts. Amen. I've got a short message tonight. You'll be happy, happy to hear that. Um, and I was thinking around the fact that we are celebrating the Lord's um, at the Lord's table tonight, we, we are going to break the bread and take the cup tonight. And I was, I was thinking and I was searching my heart about, about what, this, what is it all about when we come at the communion table. And I've, I've understood about the fact that God has put us in front of three realities when we come at the communion table. You see, life happens in a rhythm. We get up on Monday morning, we have our breakfast, we have a shower, we go to work, we come back home, we look after the kids, we go back to sleep. On Tuesday morning, we start all over again. And it goes on and on and on. And in the same time, our spiritual life or, or Christian life has a rhythm to it. Um, as evangelicals, we don't really like the word liturgy. But there is a liturgical rhythm to our Christian lives. We come to church, we praise together, we pray together, we listen to the word being preached together. We help each other, we support each other. There is a rhythm, and in this rhythm of our Christian lives, and our liturgical life, communion is somewhere very important. At the communion table, we stop and remember. Remember that there is a historical reality. Uh, a reality that tells us that actually Christ, 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 Christians believe in a Christ who was real. Uh, many have started to demonstrate that Christ was uh, a fictional person in the past. Many have started to demonstrate it and want to demonstrate that he was uh, someone that was invented by Christians and there is a legend. Well, actually, Christ was a real person who lived and walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. We have many proofs of that. The Gospels are first-hand proof that Jesus was a real person, a real person that was born miraculously from um, a virgin, as we just celebrated at Christmas, a person who lived in Nazareth in, the, in a family uh, similar to ours. It was his father, earthly father, father Joseph, who was a... Uh, who was working carpentry and was building things, and there was his mother. He had brothers and sisters. He lived in the community. He was a real person. 
And then he was a man who preached and lived what he preached. He brought the good news of a kingdom that has no end, where everyone is welcome to come. It doesn't matter that you are poor. It doesn't matter that you are ill. It doesn't matter that you are wise or a fool. It doesn't matter that you are uh, very well educated or you lack education. He came and preached, and he lived what he preached. Jesus is a real person. Even the table, the communion table uh, before which we are tonight, has been an event on a Thursday night before his arrest. Jesus instituted this uh, table, and it's a fact that the Gospels, the Gospels describe to us. Um, then he was arrested, he was trialed, sentenced to death by crucifixion. And it's not just the Gospel that tells us that this is a reality. There are historians who tell us and describe the events um, around Jesus' um, death and crucifixion. Then he was buried in a tomb that he didn't be, belong to him, uh, again to fulfill the scriptures, and then he raised again the third day, as prophesied in the scripture. You see, it's a historical fact that Jesus was a person living on earth, and coming to the communion table, we are called to remember that we don't believe in a fake Jesus. We don't believe in an idea of God. We believe in a God that is real, and we believe in a Jesus that is real. Secondly, when we come at the communion table, we come and stop and reflect. Reflect on a reality of our own lives. You see, if Jesus was just a historical figure, it wouldn't really help at all, any of us. But this Jesus had an impact on everyone's life, each one of us here. When we come to the communion table, we don't come because uh, we just uh, go through a liturgy, we just go uh, through the motions and take the bread and, and, and take the, the wine. No, no, no. We come because this Christ who died and raised has an impact, or had an impact, it has an impact on our own lives. He is beyond the historical facts. He, each one of us, if I'm going to ask you tonight to bring a testimony, what is Jesus' impact in your life, you've got something to say. It's impossible not to have something to say. But if someone is here who doesn't have anything to say, I would say, again, look at the scriptures to see who is the Jesus that you believe in. There is a present reality. We come in as individuals because we've been changed by Jesus, we believe in Jesus, but also we come because we've been made one by Jesus. If I look around the room, um, I'm not sure how many of us have anything more or complicated or that connected, uh, connects us than what we are here for. Our faith connects us. Jesus that we believe in brings us together, brings us people from one end of the world to the other end of the world, brings us together. People with, who are very intelligent and well-educated with those who are less educated, people who are richer and some people who are poorer. He brings us all together and he makes us 
one. Here at the communion table, we have fellowship. We've made, we've been made one. We do communion, we take communion to remind us the one that we believed in, the one who is our savior and who we are in him. Thirdly, there is another reality that, that is present here at the communion table. And this is um, the reality of something great that is coming. In verse 29, Jesus tells his disciple, disciples at the, at the communion table, at the Last Supper table, he says, look, I'm not going to drink from this a fruit of the vine until I'm going to drink it new again with you in my Father's kingdom. A reality is, this is not it. This is not it. There comes a day when there will be no more cancer, there will be no more dementia and Alzheimer's, there will be no more pain, there will be no more anything that's, that we struggle with every single day. There comes a day, and the communion table tells us, there comes a day when everything will be new. Even the wine that we drink, that will be new, because Jesus said so. You see, sometimes life can be very dark and depressing. When we look at the communion table, uh, we can look with joy. We can look with joy because Jesus has redeemed us, and that's a reality in our lives. But we look, we look with, joy, with joy because there's a day when together with all the saints, all those who believed in Jesus, will be there at the Supper of the Lamb. And if you have your Bibles, please turn in chapter 19 of Revelation. I'm going to read a few verses there that really, really uh, give us uh, an idea of what would be like there. After this, verse 1, I heard what sound, sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged her in the blood of the, in, and on, the blood, on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like the loud pearls of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, to our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, has been, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel sent, said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he, said, he added, these are the true words of God. 
These are the true words of God. Everyone is invited. Are we ready to be there? Our hope and faith is that all those who are taking part in the communion, all those who are stretching their hand and breaking the bread, all those who are taking the cup with the wine, will once meet in that glorious place when there will be everything new. There will be no destruction. There will be no corruption. When there will be no sin, no more death, when everything will be new at the great supper of the Lamb. So my prayer tonight is that as we come at the communion table, as we break the bread, as we take the cup, we'll have that strong faith that yes, Christ has died. Yes, Christ has transformed us. He has raised us from the dead together with him. But more than that, he has promised a future with him. A future that surpasses anything that we have lived and experienced here. Amen.